we didn't know when the next bank robbery would get hit, but we had a plan to be out there on the street and ready to go when it did happen. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, GoLawEnforcement.com has the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. Ellen Glasser was an FBI supervisory special agent and during her 24 years with the FBI worked major violent crimes, terrorism, corruption, and white-collar crime cases. In this episode, Ellen talks about her career with the FBI, some case highlights, and what it takes to become an FBI agent. Well, Ellen, thank you for being on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And your law enforcement career, and if my calculation is right, 24 years was with the FBI. Is that correct? That's right. I did uh, five years as a state probation and parole officer, and uh, then I was hired by the FBI and did uh, 24 great years. What was your career path of getting into law enforcement, and how did you end up becoming an FBI agent? Well, let me just provide a little bit of background. Uh, The FBI is still not a traditional workplace for most women uh, agents. Um, and uh, women only uh, began to be hired uh, in 1972. And so when I was hired, I was one of the first few hundred women agents. And I say that because I didn't grow up wanting to be a police officer or an FBI agent. Uh, I did grow up during the era of uh, Ephraim Zimbalist um, being uh, you know, in the TV show, The FBI. It was a very popular show, and a lot of little boys grew up wanting to be FBI agents but not so for girls. Um, I really studied psychology in college, and um, then I became a probation and parole officer, which kind of got me the bug for law enforcement. And so I was very fortunate to have been recruited by an FBI agent that was in my state in North Carolina. And, and then really the rest became history. The, um, the adventure, the idea that I could use my brain, uh, see the world, and do something meaningful really was a big draw for me. And so that's how my career in the FBI got started. It was not really a traditional path. And how long did it actually take you from the time that you started the process with the FBI application process till you actually were hired? Well, I'll tell you, it seemed like forever. Um, I actually uh, waited three years because there was a hiring freeze that was uh, in place when I first applied. And when I talk to um, to young people that are interested in the FBI, I tell them that, you know, so much of it, you need to be prepared, but so much of it is timing uh, because perhaps the FBI is hiring a lot this year or um, perhaps, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking more for intelligence analysts or something else, or they're not hiring at all. So for me, it was three years. But 
But I do know a lot of people that from start to finish, they might be hired in as little as six months. But that's that's about the minimum time frame that I've ever seen from start to finish. Can you explain what FBI agents actually do? Well, sure. Um, uh, the FBI, obviously, is, is really it's an elite uh, police force that, that has a presence both nationally and internationally, although the FBI's jurisdiction outside of U.S. borders is more a liaison type of function. But the FBI investigates federal crimes as opposed to what you might think of with state and local law enforcement who have jurisdiction over local and state crimes. So uh, the types of crimes will overlap. For example, uh, there might be a, a state or local violation for bank robbery, and the FBI also works it. But there are a lot of violations that only the FBI really has primary jurisdiction for. Um, and those are typically the ones that have some interstate aspect. For example, white-collar crime. A lot of white-collar crime occurs across state lines. And so it's not really efficient for the state agencies to work it. And, and even it also becomes global. So that's when the FBI really shines, uh, when there is an interstate aspect. And then there are other areas, for example, terrorism, where, you know, the FBI has got the primary uh, lead on working um, terrorism crimes in the United States, and we have that sole jurisdiction for it. So the crimes the FBI investigates would be white-collar crime, violent crime and gangs, organized crime, terrorism, and really something that is uh, of, of real uh, great concern right now is the cyber threat that exists in the world today. So the FBI places a very high priority on, on, on cyber threats. So the FBI's jurisdiction is very broad, but some of it we work along with uh, state and local authorities, and some of it we have primary jurisdiction for. Is there a case that you'd like to talk about that illustrates your work with the FBI? Well, I was really fortunate in my career uh, to have worked really uh, pretty much all the investigative categories that, that the FBI does work. Um, over my career, I worked in five different offices, which means I was transferred a lot. But I got to work major violent crime cases and major terrorism cases and major corruption and white-collar crime cases. And along the way... You know, I did, uh, you know, meet and talk to a number of people that had been victimized by some of these crimes. I have some really high-profile cases that I worked. Several uh, of the, the nation's top bank robbery investigations were cases that I worked. And I was a case agent on the Iran-Contra investigation, which started in the mid-'80s. Uh, and I also was the coordinator for uh, a terrorism task force that was formed after 9-11. And all of those were very significant cases that many people would regard as highlights. But there's really one that sticks in my mind, and it was a cold case homicide where we solved a case where a mother was murdered by her husband, and the local police couldn't solve it. So they brought it to, to my squad, to one of my task forces, and we solved that case found the woman's remains and were able to bring closure to the, the, the family and to the children that, that survived their mother's murder. That case probably is the one that I think about the most often in terms of uh, really what was important to me as an agent uh, and as somebody that was protecting victims. You mentioned that that was a cold case. How many years did that go unsolved? 
Well, the case, it actually, the, the murder took place in 1993, and the woman's name was Elvira Long. Well, I was living in the state of Washington at the time. She was murdered by her husband, and I was the supervisor of a uh, violent crime task force at the time, and we adopted that case because the locals really could not bring that case in in terms of um, arresting the husband. They thought he was good for it, but uh, it was three years uh, before we got the case, and then we solved it uh, And by using uh, behavioral analysis techniques um, and a very methodical investigative plan. Uh, we were able to to uh, get him to confess and get him to lead us to where um, he had dumped his wife's remains. And uh, the very gratifying case, and that's just that's just one cold case that that was solved. And those cases get solved because you put fresh eyes on a case, and because people look for answers. And they're not typically solved by uh, using databases or computers, but it's solved because you have investigators putting new eyes on cases and using their, their intellect, their creativity to come up with ways to solve those cases. It's very gratifying. And I was really happy we were able to, to bring that case home. And you were the coordinator for the North Florida Joint Terrorism Task Force. Can you explain what that task force does and what your role entailed? Certainly. Um, as uh, your listeners would probably expect, uh, the events of 9-11 really changed the complexion of uh, law enforcement in America. Uh, and in the FBI, what that meant is uh, we went from being reactive to active terrorism to being proactive and trying to prevent acts of terrorism from occurring. And one of the uh, most important ways that the FBI uh, did that is by having joint terrorism task forces uh, in all of their field offices. So uh, there are a number of them throughout the country. And I was uh, fortunate, uh, I was uh, working in Jacksonville, Florida at the time, to be the person that was tasked to uh, set up our JTTF in Jacksonville, and that actually covered the northern counties in Florida. And as your listeners will probably also um, realize, many of the hijackers from the 9-11 uh, tragedies uh, had lived in Florida, had actually done flight training uh, in Florida. So it was a pretty important task force. And, and really the concept of the JTTFs is, is simple. Um, because what, it, what, what we do is we bring together all of the agencies uh, that have information and we house them together and they share information or intelligence as we call it sort of in the business. And so by sharing that information, we're able to make connections, sort of connect the dots so that we could better uh, act on threats and prevent these acts of terror. So what this meant with the JTTF is you, you would find that these would be uh, very attractive slots for uh, members of state, local law enforcement, and uh, our military services. So we've got these super high-quality people that would be assigned to our task forces, and we would all get the same security clearances so we could all see the same inf information. And then we would basically work side-by-side -side with people from all these other agencies to solve cases. And we work the cases together. And this, this uh, model for uh, working terrorism cases continues to this day. And it is really a, 
uh, an excellent model of how cooperation can prevent and, and uh, protect, uh, prevent crime and protect our citizens. I saw a quote from you where you said, luckily I was involved in only one shootout in my career. Can you talk about what happened? Well, sure. Um, uh, at the time, uh, I was stationed in Seattle, Washington, and I was a supervisor of uh, a violent crime task force. And one of the things that we had been uh, investigating was a series of bank robberies that uh, had been going on in the, the Puget Sound area. And um, I worked with a, a number of excellent agents, um, and uh, these agents came up with a with a plan to uh, be ready when these bank robbers hit the next bank. Um, and uh, it involved using technology and tracking. And, you know, we didn't know when the next bank robbery would get hit, but we had a plan to be out there on the street and ready to go when it did happen. And I, I kind of remember this like it was yesterday because it was the night before Thanksgiving in 1997, uh, and I was the supervisor of the squad, mind you. And uh, the bank got hit, the bank in question got hit uh, just about closing time. And most of my squad had, had left for uh, the day because they were going home and going to have a, a relaxed uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Well, um, what ended up happening is that I jumped uh, in the car with a couple of the other task force guys. And uh, we responded and sort of put the plan into into action where we were tracking uh, devices that had been taken from the bank. Uh, the bottom line is that it resulted in a shootout, um, and uh, you know it's it, it's uh, it's always good when the good guys uh, come home safe and sound, and and we all did. Um, we had, that case actually resulted in uh, uh, two of the uh, bank robbers going to prison, and one uh, escaped that night and uh, killed himself uh, in a in a barricade situation the next day. For your listeners, if they're interested in learning about this case, we called it the Hollywood bank robber case because uh, the bank robbers would wear this elaborate sort of stage makeup when they would uh, go into the banks. Uh, and his name was uh, William Scurlock. He patterned his bank robberies after the movie, the first version of Break. I know there's another one that's been uh, uh, remade, but um, his bank robberies were modeled after the first version of Point Break. It was a very exciting case, and again, it illustrated just the importance of readiness, that you just never know when you're going to be called into action and when you might get into a gun battle. That was my, my only shootout. I was not a hero by any stretch of the imagination, but I was there. I was involved, and um, I was happy that the good guys came home safe and sound that night. Was there any special education or training that helped position you for becoming an FBI agent? Well, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Joe. And um, the answer uh, is probably not the same as it would be, you know, when, when I was hired because, as I mentioned, I was a psychology major. I did also have a master's degree in counseling. Um, but the needs of the FBI really do dictate that we have people with specialized skills um, we hire under several programs, uh, and if I get them right, we have uh, our law program, um, our um, language program, our accounting program. We also have a diversified program, and then we have one that, that really uh, relates to um, computer knowledge and, uh, and engineering. So 
for for people that are uh, interested in working for the FBI, if you if you have great computer skills, or if you're an accountant, or if you have a language skill that the FBI needs, you're going to be a very attractive candidate. Now, with that said, the diversified category is probably the one that most people are hired under, and those are going to be people like me that was a probation and parole officer, or people that are in the military, or people that have executive complex experience of all kinds. Uh, we have an amazing workforce in the FBI of really diverse people. But there are some critical needs that we have, and language is one of them. Um, and uh, again, the, those computer skills, people that can help help uh, us investigate the cyber threat, those, those kind of people are, are very competitive as, uh, as applicants these days. So somebody who is planning on going into law enforcement, their first choice is becoming an FBI agent. What uh, what career advice would you give to that person? Well, I I um I am a professor in my second career, and so I meet with uh, students every day uh, to offer career advice. And as as a college professor now, I I pretty much consider myself to be an unofficial recruiter for the FBI because I talk to so many students that are interested in working for the FBI. What I tell them is to be excellent at whatever they do. The FBI is going to look at your GPA. They're going to look at how you've done in your past employment. And for many of those students, they're not going to get hired until uh, they're in their late 20s. There are not a lot of college students that get hired as an FBI agent out of college. Sometimes they'll work in another professional job in the FBI or they'll go into the military or they'll work in another law enforcement agency. So I tell them to be really good at what they do because that's what's really going to make a big difference uh, later on. To be in the FBI, you have to be a minimum age of 23 uh, and up to a maximum age of 37 unless you get a veteran's waiver and you can be a little bit older then. But most agents or most people are not hired until they're in their late 20s. So the FBI is looking at candidates that come from other walks of life that have done other things and that are exceptional at that. Um, that makes for a better workforce. Um, so I tell students to, to, to follow the path of what they're good at. Um, I also do give them advice if they're if they're proficient in any languages to pursue that because that's going to help them uh, perhaps qualify under the language program. So those are those are some of the things that I tell them to do. Um, not all of my students obviously go on to work for the FBI. They'll find a, a career in some other area, but I, it it just continues to amaze me at at, at how many of my students really do start by wanting to work for the FBI. It's a great testament to the organization. It makes me very, very proud. And I believe I, I saw where you were quoted as saying, former Director Comey said, it. it's not about what you do with the FBI, it's about who you are. Yes, he, he, um, he started to say that early on in his uh, term, uh, his short term as director of the FBI, but but it really is true. It, it, it is about who we are as people, and the FBI hires fabulous people, and uh, the integrity level is off the chart. And uh, I, I, I can't think of any agent that, uh, that would not have my back uh, when I needed them. It's just it really is 
it really is a family. I know it sounds trite, but uh, uh, we're an apolitical organization, but we are all super proud to have been part of the FBI, and it really is. It's not what we do, but who we are. I agree. Well, Ellen, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on GoLawEnforcement.com. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to JobTipsNow.com. That's JobTipsNow.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.